And here we go. Let's <laughs> <Spruce> this goose. <laughs> I don't apocalypse on Shabbos. <laughs> Trump Shabbos. <laughs> I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then. <laughs> yes, it's an 80s film, but it's a quintessential 80s film. That motherfucker gets me excited about science. But yes, I, I do think that this movie requires a couple more views. I have the same cup size as Doc Hawk. <laughs> Give me my sandwich. <laughs> no crusts. Was it an instant classic for you? Uh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moviegoers of all ages, welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hey, 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 hey. That's all I have to say. I don't have anything fun to say. So I'm not you as cool. You never as you. have anything fun to say. I know, man. I'm not as cool as you. I'm sorry. Well, what you got to do is get yourself a pleather jacket, Ooh. A, a razor scooter, and maybe like a couple of temporary tattoos, and then you'll be just as cool as me. Dude, I remember when uh, when Razor scooters were all the craze, and I had a raffle at uh, my elementary school, and oh, I were I, oh I were yeah I worked. I was already in college when they came out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was middle school. Sorry, I worked so hard to save up as many tickets as I could to win this off-brand razor. I don't think it was called a razor. It was called like a laser or something. <laughs> Blazer. <laughs> and uh, oh man, I was so happy. That thing broke a week after I got it. And I was so angry, but it's a good thing my mom made me wear a helmet because I almost crashed on it. Because I, I wasn't what you would call smart, so. You need to be smart to ride a scooter? Uh, you got to be smarter than I am, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not really coordinated. Yeah, I was already like a junior in college when I saw my first Razor scooter come by. Were you just uh, scooting around uh, campus? I was walking on someone else's scooter. Be like, what's up, prof? Oh, yeah. yeah, I got that assignment you just turned in or something like that. Isn't that yeah. what college kids say? And it's interesting because they weren't even all that big, but they found a way to be cumbersome when you're trying to walk through the aisle in class. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And especially if they hit your shin on accident, because that was like solid steel. That was a weapon, man. <laughs> I never got hit. Oh. But anyway, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. Um... It is. I go to Chicago next week for the first time. I've never been to Chicago. Um, you gotta so, lick the bean. Uh, I don't want to. That's gross. Lick I mean, <laughs> in certain contexts. But uh, no, I am gotta going to. Got to flick. Got to flick the Michael Bean. <laughs> I'm going to a couple uh, Cubs games, and so I'm excited about that because I think Wrigley is a mecca to me. I'm a huge baseball fan, so I'm going to a couple games. And then I'm going to um, kind of peruse around and just uh, play it by ear. It'll be really fun. I get to work when I'm over there, too, so that'll be nice. Um, but, yeah, it'll 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 be good. It's uh, the weather's finally turning here in Seattle. It's um, I think summer's definitely over now. It's it's real kind of morose out. But how are you? How, how's everything going down there? It's good. No complaints. Zero. None at all. No regrets. It's, it's, it's warm, <laughs> but that's all right. What's it the is what it is. What's the temperature? Uh, Today is 95. That's gross. Yeah. Yesterday was 105. So, oh, yeah. Oh, gross. Yeah. Oh, how's Rizzo doing in that? She's fine. She's taking little sun baths. She doesn't Aww. care. Aw. Yeah. That's cute. She's into it. Yeah. 
soaking up some rays. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to record today, man. I, I miss your voice. I think about it when I go to bed. It's like, good night, Zach. Have a good night and sleep tight. <laughs> Don't let those bed bugs bite. Yeah, Don't I know it. No matter everywhere I go, people are like, dude, do the voice. I'm like... <laughs> Think of some match. Yeah. Yeah, I went to this club and the guy's like, dude, you're not on the list. <laughs> I was like, check their list again. It's a good list. My name is on it. My name is on it. He's like, there you are, JCC Cavender. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I pay you for web space to have a podcast? I believe me, I'm somebody. Check your list again. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, great. Um, what is our fun filled episode today, Justin? Uh, today we're going to be talking about Tombstone. Oh, Night. yeah. <laughs> Bones. <laughs> Bones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, some uh, Tombstone pizza here, and it's uh, it's going to be a good one. I'm excited. This has uh, Kurt Russell, who's uh, my personal favorite and spirit animal. Everyone knows I love the Kurt Russell, and I was thinking about this because Last show, we did Drive, which had Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. And we had done Crazy Stupid Love as well, which also had Ryan Gosling. So you were the first one to pick a, a, a movie that featured the same actor. Ooh. So now I get to do it. So this week, go. it's Kurt Russell. Ooh, I do Kurt. like some Kurt. Yeah, he's, 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 he's a treasure. National treasure. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Did Nicolas Cage steal him once? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, before we get get going into it, uh, give us a recommendation. What have you been watching this week? Oh man, I was powering through season two of The Sinner with Lone Star himself, Bill Pullman, <laughs> and I just I couldn't do it. I was I was going crazy. It has this season two kind of features this sort of commune or uh, it's almost like a cult basically, and I just. I can't get into any any culty stuff. Like I, I have a real hard time identifying with the members of said cults, mm-hmm. and I, I have no idea what it's like to be so fragile and damaged to where you will buy into whatever it is that they're selling. And yeah. so it's it's really hard for me to get behind anything that involves a cult, unless it's like Bubble Boy. And they're talking about bright and shiny, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he will burn an internal hellfire on planet PX forty one or PX forty two if they run out of room. Like that's funny, but I, I just can't do any cult stuff. So I was really uh, just, just just scratching my arms and and until I was bleeding because I was just not into this show. Uh, are you are you talking what? about the bu- Bubble Boy with Jake Gyllenhaal? That yeah. or like the actual Bubble Boy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal one. With, like Fabio's the cult leader. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, uh, but yeah, I just I couldn't get into it. I was trying. Um, Alex finished it, thank God, so it's over. Um, I enjoyed the first season, but season two was just uh, it was tough. Couldn't couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then, as far as motion picture shows go. Um, I watched Dracula Untold. Have you ever seen that? Um, no. What? It, that sounds familiar. That who's in it? That's the one with um, Luke Evans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays Vlad the Impaler, and um, he's going to war with like all of Turkey, and it's pretty intense. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It 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 made like a dollar at the box office. 
and um, that was discount, sort of discount gonna, Tuesday, right? It, it was going to kickstart sort of the the new um, sort the dark, of dark universe or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to find the word for it, like the cinematic universe for the Hollywood monsters. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't work. So then they were going to do that with the Mummy movie with the Tom Cruise. And then that was even worse. And so they just sort of abandoned that whole concept. Yikes. Ooh. Yeah. The movie itself, um, I, I enjoyed it. Oh. I thought, I thought it was fun. Cool. Um, for TV shows, I watched uh, this really actually funny gem on Netflix called Working Moms. Um, I was introduced to it, and I thought it was going to be stupid. But it actually ended up being really funny. And it, it has... Um, uh, Maureen Ponderosa from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I forgot the the main actress's name, but she's a, a Canadian comedian, and it's actually really good. Um, but yeah, it's on Netflix. I think there's three seasons. I watched a few episodes of season two, so I think I'm going to go back and start it from season one, uh, oh. a, as you do for things. Um, and then um, film-wise, you know, I don't really... I, I haven't I haven't been watching too many movies, um, but one that I will talk about that you and I were kind of talking about earlier is I, I did see it it chapter two, and um, so that was uh, that was great. Um, I you think so you, you thought, thought it was great. So well, okay, I thought it was kind of boring. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll give I'll give a too long didn't read version. Um, I I really liked it. It wasn't as good as the first one, uh, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, it was long and you're right. There were pacing issues with it. Um, there was a lot that they could have done and they were trying to do. There was a lot of what the fuck moments too, which I was like, why did you, why did they do that? Um, I don't, I don't understand uh, the director's mindset for some of it, but I actually really enjoyed it. Um, but I was a fan of the book too. So, um, yeah, no, I saw those. So working moms in it chapter two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wasn't, uh, wasn't a fan of chapter two. Yeah, that's okay. We 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 all give we forgive people for their mistakes. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any anyhow, Tombstone. Tombstone stars Kurt Russell, like you said. He is your spirit animal. Uh Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Powers Booth, Michael Bean, Charlton Heston, Jason Priestley, John Tenney, Stephen Lang, Thomas Hayden Church, Dana Delaney, uh Paula Malcolmson. And Lisa Collins. That's all I'll end it at. Um, very that's a lot good of people. Dude, that's, a, very, that's an ensemble. That's a very good cast. Um, it was fun because, so like you were saying, this movie came out in '93, and um, seeing some of these actors, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I didn't even recognize Stephen Lang because he looks so different, um, and he wasn't saying Pandora, or he wasn't like keeping girls in his basement or whatever he did. Um, yeah, but he's, he's the worst. <laughs> I Clinton. Holy yeah. shit, man. Well, he's a he's a wimp. He keeps like, I don't know. He's just a coward. That's real good, law dog. Law just don't go around here. <laughs> um, how did this movie do? Here's the thing. We've been using Rotten Tomatoes to go over these um, reviews, and while some folks can appreciate Rotten Tomatoes and other people have a problem with it, the reason why I like to go to this is because I have all these reviews right there at my fingertips, and it's super easy to read. To, to read. I don't hold much stock in it, but it's fun seeing how critics rate it as well as how audiences rate it. Right. So, FYI, there's that. So, in this particular case, it does have a certified fresh tomato at 73%, but the audience score is 94%. So, this is one of those ones where the people have spoken 
and they like the movie, and they don't give a gut dang <laughs> about the critics. You, the critic. The people have spoken. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I remember when, when this came out. I saw it on Christmas Day with my sister. Uh, we were at my grandma's house and went to the motion picture show, went to the cinema, and uh, we both really liked it. And I was, gosh, 13 at the time, so... Jeez. For, for a genre that I had little, if any, interest in, I walked away really enjoying this movie. And I spent my <laughs> entire summer that following year watching it. Yeah. Right on. That's good. Yeah. But as far as the critics go, we have Mr. Jonathan Rosenbaum from the Chicago Reader. He says, A lot of care and attention were obviously devoted to selecting locations, designing sets, and grooming handlebar mustaches. Much less attention went to making one believe that any of the events took place in circa 1879. Um, so I do believe that the set locations looked awesome. Every time they went into a saloon, it just was the star of the show. I thought it was so badass how they had all the, the everything from the furniture to the murals on the wall. Um, I, I just loved the set pieces. Even the hotel room that Doc Holliday was staying at, I was like, man, that's nicer than any hotel I've ever seen. <laughs> like, all the furniture just looked, like, really authentic and cool. Yeah. Um, I was just really digging it. Uh, I even mentioned that when I was watching it last night. I was like, god damn, dude. I, I love these set pieces. Like, the art director had, uh, like, a really awesome job for this movie. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, let's see here. So, they didn't like it. They gave it a, they gave it a green splat. Not a fan. Uh, Stephen Holden. It wants to be at once traditional and morally ambiguous. The two visions don't quite harmonize. Um, you might ultimately agree with that at the end of the day, Zach. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't know which direction it ultimately wants to take. Mm-hmm. And there may even be a reason for that, and we'll get into that later. Cool. Um, highly stylized fashion-wise, but awkwardly unfocused in its plot lines. It aims for Western iconograph. <laughs> uh, it aims for like the, the Sam Peckinpah and Sergio Leone but never gets past its own directorial hurdles. Again, we will address the directorial hurdles. <laughs> address those hurdles. Yeah. I like that. I like the hot hurdles. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> nice. I see a hurdle, I hop it. <laughs> H squared, hopping hurdles. <laughs> oh, dude. Uh, but that was Mr. Richard Harrington from the Washington Post. He, uh, Clearly doesn't know anything. It's a, a blowhard, I think is the word. Yeah, definitely. Oh. Uh, let's see here. Blake Howard from <laughs> That Movie Show. Uh, the right-hand men are the reason we all keep coming back to Tombstone. And I think that that is true for a lot of folks. The, the cast does a tremendous job with the roles that they are given. And I think everyone just sort of elevates each other and... Uh, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy or a gray area sort of character, uh, you have your moment to shine, and I think that that's really cool. Not a lot of movies give give a cast their uh, their dues, and in this case, I think that is certainly um, true. Yeah, uh, for sure. Well, yeah. What else we got? Um, yeah, with the monies. Tell me about the monies. <laughs> Too much of money. <laughs> uh, domestic gross, fifty-six million dollars. I don't have any worldwide. I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. Yeah. So uh, there's not not a lot of information on there, but um, even for the the budget, um, IMDb had, had said somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty-five million dollars. 
which seems pretty low considering it's mostly on location. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of money gets dumped when you shoot on location, but whatevs. Um, so anyway, it made its money back, so at least there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard to do for a Western. This is, again, that's a genre that's that's been trying to die for a very, very long time. And every once in a while, there's a movie that just comes out that just kind of changes people's minds. Well, yeah, and we saw a resurgence with things like um, Unforgiven and then that taking home Best Picture. I mean, that was... That was big. That was a year later. That was in ninety four. Ninety four, yeah. So, huh. but we, but we saw that kind of resurgence of of movies kind of like this. Um, and Wyatt Earp came out around that time. Wasn't Maverick around this time too? Yeah, um, that's a different you, kind of western, though. Yeah, that was. That's it like, was. That's like riverboat gambling tricks. <laughs> <laughs> we make our own beef jerky and go on yeah. riverboat gambling tricks. <laughs> uh, but then there was like Appaloosa. Did you ever see that? Uh, no, it sounds familiar though. And. Um, Strider and Strider, <laughs> you had Vigo and Harris, yeah, and oh. Ed, Ed Harris and Vigo Morrison. Um, yes, I like it. Yeah. Then they redid um, uh, Magnificent Seven a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, it's just it's just an interesting genre. Doesn't always uh, doesn't always perform. Yeah, exactly. Um. Couple fun little facts. Val Kilmer practiced for a long time on his quick draw speed, and he gave his character a Southern aristocrat accent. The Southern accent is off, is an authentic touch, as Holiday was a cousin of Margaret Mitchell, author of Gone with the Wind, who he modeled the character, or, or I'm sorry, who she modeled the character of Ashley Wilkes after Val Kilmer. Oh. So that's neat. Um, oh, Willem Dafoe was uh, was the original choice to play Doc Holiday, <laughs> but, but Buena Vista refused to distribute the film if he was cast due to Dafoe's role in the controversial The Last Temptation of Christ. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that movie. That also, movie also for his depiction of Norman Osborn in Spider Man. So, uh, Mickey Rourke turned down the role of Johnny Ringo. That'd have been kind of cool. Mickey Rourke is Johnny Ringo. I liked Michael Bean, but oh yeah, Michael Bean looked like he was just possessed by the devil in this movie. <laughs> he yeah, was, he was on another plane of existence when he was on camera. I thought he was incredible in this movie. I wanted whatever he was, what he what he was having. Yeah, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, should we should we jump into it? Want me to jump into the synopsis? Is that all? Is that all trivia you had? Uh, that's all I got. I mean, oh uh, no, what, what, what we were saying about the director. So who is this directed by again? Uh, George P. Cosmatos. What what were you saying? There were some issues, right, with that? Yeah. So I I gosh, I heard the story a long time ago, and I, mm-hmm. I didn't. Shame on me for not rushing up, but. Um, ultimately, it, be- it came down to Kurt Russell um, th- secretly sort of ghostwriting, if not directing the movie, like sort of in that sense, where he started calling the shots. Um, and um, they, the two of them agreed not to, not to tell anyone. It was like, hey, I'm going to take over, I'm going to direct this movie, and then they were going to take that secret to the grave. Well... Um, Mr. George passed away, <laughs> and then it got out that it was actually Kurt Russell that started taking over and directing. And then when like someone like Val Kilmer was asked if that was true, and he said yes, it was. But it wasn't Kurt Russell that sort of broke that that um, understanding that hey, I won't tell anybody. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a uh, Cosmatos was a was a ghost director essentially mm-hmm. um it's not really saying why but i think it's um so val kilmer they had an interview um like in subsequent years and he was he confirmed it and so did kurt russell because like you're right the, the beans got spilled afterwards and 
they both, uh, you know, confirmed each other's stories. So I think that's really interesting. Um, that just shows the passion. their story. Yeah. yeah, the the um, the passion that uh, Kurt Russell has for the role, I think I think it really shines. So I think that that was a bright moment in this film. Mm-hmm. Oh the man, only, hey, the Russell. only bright moment in this film. No way, Kurt Russell looks so good. That part when he gets off the train and he's just standing there in all black and he's you know he's really thin. He's really lean, and yeah, that mustache just makes him look like he is just the baddest dude in all the West. Like I, I just totally buy into it. I'm like, I, I love this man. And when he, you know, that horse is getting, you know, beat by that guy, that handler, and he just walks over and grabs the, the, the rope and hits him with it. It's like, <laughs> it hurts, don't it? And uh, and you're just like, it's like, oh yeah, he's a badass. And what's cool about that is it's one of those things where. Where it's like a it's like a movie trick where when the hero is nice to animals, the audience immediately warms up to them. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's it's a thing. No, I, uh, I I I think you're right. I believe that. Even in Rocky, when he's the beginning of the first Rocky, it's all gross, and they're in that locker room, and and then in the ring, and they're beating the shit out of each other, and it's like, oh my god, I don't like this guy. He's nasty. And then he's walking down the street. He goes to the pet shop. And he immediately warms up to the dog. And like, oh, okay, he's not so bad. Hey, butt kiss. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, I agree. <laughs> Which <is all> me? <laughs> I think I think that this um this movie that it, it should win a MTV Movie Award for best mustache use. Like everyone yeah. had a had a fantastic mustache. They were all so cool. There's this one uh, Hispanic fella who has hair on either side of his lip yeah he looks a little gross <laughs> um everyone else looks good though. <laughs> uh i forgot who that was because that was he was an actor <laughs> uh he's been in some stuff but yeah yeah you're right he had the it, it was weird it was like he forgot to shave or he missed a couple spots or something yeah so. <laughs> it's like he shaved right down the middle and then nowhere else. <laughs> he got lazy so oh okay i'm gonna read the synopsis now so we can start. So you can convince me why why this is a good movie. Um, all right. It's the wildest of Wests in America, and every town has their crime, but none more vicious than the town of Tombstone, where a malicious gang, the Cowboys, run rampant, killing and taking what they want at will. Enter Wyatt Earp, peacekeeper, whose reputation seems to precede himself, along with his mustache. <laughs> Wyatt, along with his brothers Morgan and Virgil, strive for... write this? Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> strive for a simple simple slice of life Wyatt is also accompanied by his enigmatic and boisterous friend Doc Holliday stricken by tuberculosis Doc holds no allegiance to any ascertainable family Tombstone is no stranger to its visitors though especially for an actress extraordinaire Josephine who catches the deep attention of Wyatt After the town sheriff is killed, Virgil has had enough of the cowboy's antics and decides to do what he thinks is right and become the town sheriff. Virgil enlists the help of Morgan and reluctant Wyatt, but is debilitatingly injured while Morgan dies from fatal gunshot wounds. Wyatt, Wyatt, angry and hungry for revenge, rides out with his small band of U.S. Marshals to instill some old-school justice. The Marshals kill all the major players of the cowboys and finally have the law that they believe to be just in their America. Doc ends up succumbing to his illness and passes, but not before encouraging Wyatt to run off to a life with Josephine. Doc dies, and Wyatt starts his life with Josephine. The legend of Wyatt Earp lives on as the toughest gunslinger to ever bring peace to the lawless town of Tombstone. 
It's interesting because I don't look at it as them trying to bring law and order to the land. Uh, and I think that even Doc, you know, he says it's not revenge that he's after. It's it's a reckoning. I, I think it's literally I'm going to wipe the earth of these assholes <laughs> that ride on it. <laughs> well, then perfect. Good, good oh. or bad. It's 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 the they do not deserve to be here. And I am going to rid the world of them. Let's let's jump right into it then, Justin, because so I enjoyed this movie for certain parts, but overall it just didn't sit the best with me. And so like what you're saying, um, I, I kind of want to talk about this cowboy code or th- these ethics that they have, right, where you you had the in that town right in Tombstone, you had the sheriff. He was the local sheriff. And then you had or yeah, you had the sheriff. Who was the other guy? He was the marshal, right? The, the U.S. marshal. The yeah. guy that was. Like all fancy and whatnot, right? So that was uh, Behan, and he is the county sheriff. Okay, so but they were the ones like so man of many parts. <laughs> Behan was was quick to turn the other cheek and to do yeah. Well, whatever. he was getting money off of these people. He he liked he liked the commerce that came with the cowboys in his town. Mm-hmm. And and so, do you think that he he liked to uphold the law, or do you think he just liked to get rich off of it? No, he was just he was just getting rich off of it. He, and then he, he was in and he's a terrible person. He was even in like the he, he was proud to say that he was in the anti Chinese league. Yeah, oh, he was, right. He's a man of many parts, he always says. But um, no, he's a creeper. He was on the town lot commission, he was head of the firemen's brigade, and he never really arrested anyone. He just wanted to get as much commerce to his town as possible. Right. Um and and I think in, in in a certain sense, Wyatt, he, you know, the first thing he does when he goes to the Oriental, right? He, um, I'm sorry, I, I totally am blanking right now on, on what he does, but he basically. Yeah, so, so he goes protection. in, right. So he goes in, the, the sheriff, uh, Fred Wyatt, he says that, you know, business is booming all up and down Main Street minus the Oriental. And he's like, well, why is that? And he says, well, it's a slaughterhouse. Not even the high rollers will go in there. So then he goes to investigate why even high rollers wouldn't put their money in this building and then he finds out it's because they have you know a lousy dealer that uh in the game of uh, feral and so what he does is just using his words goes in there rids billy bob thornton's character of his table and then as payment he now takes a quarter of the interest in the game of feral so now he is he is getting 25 percent of whatever the house takes in that game that was so easy how he did it too, um, which is so, another cool thing. Like, you know, he doesn't carry a gun. You know, he says, you know, Billy Bob Thornton's character is like, you know, you know, you run your mouth pretty wild for someone who doesn't go, you know, over heels. And he's like, well, you don't have to for you know, get like the you know the better of a, of a fat dude like you kind of thing. Like, you know, I'm better than you in every stretch of the imagination. You mm-hmm. are nothing. And he scares him, and and he has this look in his eye that that he is going to murder this man if he even does. You know, talks back to him. So he just slaps him a couple times, and he's like, you know, are you going to do something or just stand there and bleed? And it just shows you how how commanding of a force Wyatt Earp really is in this movie. You're like, holy it, shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think his, I think his reputation precedes himself. I mean, it's, you know, he's he's almost in that sense of, like, how John John Wick is, right? Where he walks around, and people are like, oh, my God, it's Wyatt Earp. But Billy, like, Bob, but Billy Bob Thornton didn't even know that that was Wyatt Earp. Right. You know, he, he just went in there, and the bartender didn't believe that it was him. And even after he told, identified himself as Wyatt Earp, 
he's the bartender still continued to call him stranger because he didn't believe him. Mm-hmm. He's like, no fucking way, you know, Wyatt Earp is in my my bar right now. Yeah. And then and then he just showed him who he was and why he is as cool as he is. And I thought that was awesome. I, I love every second of that. Well, and it, it's so cool, like because uh, back in the Wild West times, that was that was what it was. It was it was the tall tales, the legends. I mean, that was that was lore. They didn't have the you know the twitters or the internets or anything, so you had to um, have word of mouth. And so it, it was such an interesting time. And that's why I, I call into question about certain ethics in the Cowboy Code. I mean, I think that there's a lot of gray area for things where the law is not black and white in this time. Definitely not black and white in this time. Right. Um, and I, I don't even, I don't even think Wyatt Earp is black and white. You know, he is very much gray. You know, he's, he's married, but he goes off on this fun little adventure with that lady. You know, he, he would easily, want some sad action. Yeah. You know, um, he, he can get mixed up in, in violence. You know, he's not just a cut and dry lawman. His brother, Virgil, Sam Elliott's character definitely is. He is more, uh, cut of the cloth of the lawman. Like he is someone that has, you know, way more um, ethics than than Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp just had a job to do and he did it. Whereas Virgil, he wants he is disgusted with himself and his brothers by taking advantage of this town and its people, which so I that, think is fascinating. Does that make Wyatt a bad guy for all intents and purposes? Uh, I don't think so. So I don't think he's a bad guy. He's 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 an opportunist, but he's not breaking the law. He is he isn't someone that's that's robbing someone on the street. He's doing it through, you know, gambling. You know, he's someone that drinks. He gambles. He's not quite as crazy as, you know, uh, Doc Holliday, who actually, you know, is way more morally flexible because, you know, he's stabbing people. He's shooting people. He's even taking money that isn't his. Yeah, you know, I know. They're, they're, they're two very different people, but at the end of the day, I think that they are sort of a yin and yang, and they complement each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like Virgil, he is very much a lawman, you know, and and even even Morgan, Bill Paxton's character, you know, he is just a young one, and he's looking up to both of his brothers, mm-hmm. and all he wants to do is make them proud. and And I think anybody can can relate to that when you have a role model and all you want to do is is make them proud and i think that's that's a very powerful thing and in doing so you know he even puts his you know his his own life and family in jeopardy trying to do so yeah i mean this wild west i mean pride family friendship loyalty reputation it was everything for them sure. and that's what that life was about and i think that you know Yes, I mean, his brothers, that's, that's what he wanted. He wanted them to all have a, a good life together and to do what they can. But you're right, Virgil was like, I can't stand this injustice um, for this quote-unquote law. But um, And then that kind of pushed his brothers into it. And and it was it was cool seeing that, you know, because Morgan's like, look, I'm here because you're my brother, and that's why I'm going to be your deputy. Um, and Wyatt was more, re- he was that reluctant kind of hero who was sitting at the side. Um Right, because he, he had seen and he had done it all. Yeah. And he even tells, you know, he tells Morgan, like, look, dude, he goes, you know, look, all those years that I was working in those towns, I only got mixed up in one gunfight. And, you know, killing a man is something that you don't ever want to experience. You know, it was, uh, a man lost his life and I took it and I have to live with it. And you don't ever want to know what that feels like. Yeah. And, and, and the, what's really crazy about this movie is that Wyatt Earp has so many I told you so moments Mm-hmm. And and he even says it. He's like, dude, 
fucking told you, man. <laughs> don't do this. Like, like I feel like someone that is is above all that would just sort of eat it. Like, I I hate to say I told you so, and I never will. But I, I find it fascinating that his brother is dying, and he's like, "Look, dude, I fucking told you." <laughs> and he's like, "Not now, what?" <laughs> and I I think that that is just it's incredible, you know, because he's just. He's, he'd seen and done it all, and he knew that this was trouble that they don't need. And uh, he just couldn't break through the mold of his brothers. That's just something that they felt that they had to do. And maybe we've all been in a situation where there was something that we had to do, and no one could talk us out of it. And uh, luckily for, for us recording the show, it obviously hasn't ruined our lives, because we are here happy and having a good time. I had to eat that donut because it was sitting on the table and no one yeah. was going to eat it. So that's, I, that's about as hard as our choices are these days. Yeah. Right? It's, it's it's the life I live. I'm sorry. Do I want Coke Zero and not have any calories, or should or I Coke, just go Coke off? minus one? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but back to the law thing, kind of like you were saying with the reckoning and whatnot. So it was so in- interesting to me though because, I mean, I'm not a history buff for the Western history, um, but how I thought it was so interesting that you could walk around town as you know, the Cowboys is are this ruthless gang who will kill at will uh, kill at will. And you're just kind of like, whatever, I'm going to rub elbows with them. And there's a certain respect that people have and a certain thing that people are supposed to do. Like when they uh, make the gun law, they're like, yeah, you can have guns and you can carry them. You just can't carry them in town. And, um, when they get in that fight at the OK Corral, that really amazing, awesome scene that I think was one of my favorite moments in the movie, um, people start calling them murderers when they're done. I mean, were they murderers? They gave them a chance and they said, throw your guns down and they were ready to fire. Um, so I, to me, I, I don't think that they were necessarily murderers, but you still had some town folk who were having uh, disbelief in, in the herbs. Um I'm I mean, almost like they're like the boogeyman, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, you know, everything was fine until they came into town and that they wanted it to be their way. And, you know, it's it's crazy how that how that is. But even the cowboys were afraid of the herbs. Yeah. Like, what's the law at that point? What is what is law? And um, so I, I thought that that I mean, that was a catalyst for, you know, the film, because then it kind of picks up. And we've seen this in other movies, too. Like, I, I think of the untouchables. Um, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, cool, you know, they have all these fun things that they're doing, these like surprise attacks and they're getting, getting going. And then all of a sudden they get ambushed or something bad happens. And one of the main characters dies. Um, I, it's too, yeah, I know that was (laughs) poor Sean, poor Sean, the guy with the glasses and the, and the old guy, (laughs) you want me to take a dive? (laughs) (laughs) That's a completely different movie, but I just, I was thinking of that for some reason. What do I care if those saps think that I'm smart? Oh, but I think that um, the, the biggest thing for me was I really liked the actors in this one. Um, when you have that, that I would I would wager to say iconic moment of them walking together to the OK Corral. You have Doc Holliday, you have Wyatt Earp, Virgil Earp, and Morgan Earp. And all those actors are perfectly cast. Sam Elliott is amazing. Um, I think that they just embody who those who those those cowboys were, right? Oh yeah. Um, like when when I put when when Kurt Russell puts on the duster and he mm-hmm. goes and gets his gun, 
it's like, oh my gosh, it's about to go down. Yeah. <laughs> like there's there's this this unsettling nervousness that is just in your body now. And then there's like that fire going on in the background. Um, and they're walking to the OK Corral, and that is just that is so cool. I, I freaking love that. The oh, music's yeah. all building. You feel like the rumbling. Um, yeah, that's that's tension, man. That's like that's like high noon, quick draw McGraw kind of thing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, um, we uh, like seeing that though. I, I thought that that was so cool, and it 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 really kind of got me into it more. And I'll be honest, I was kind of like, oh, the the pacing was just so weird with this movie. It just it didn't I didn't seem like I could develop any feelings for the characters until about that time, because that's when shit started getting real and hitting the fan. And then, you know, Morgan gets shot in the shoulder. Um, he has that awesome comeback where he shoots the guy in the head. Um, and then Virgil gets shot in the leg and it kind of looks decently grim, even though they they come back. Um, that's that's another I told you so moment for. Yes. For the first. Yep. Um, and then, you know, we get the crazy scene and I actually wasn't paying attention at this part. But, you know, when Morgan gets shot in the bar, mm-hmm. who shoots him? Uh, we don't know. Just oh, one of, the, one of the cowboys. OK, so, yeah, then then Morgan dies and that's when shit gets real. That's when I was like, oh, what's going to happen? And he kind of almost acquiesces to the cowboys to what's the guy's name? Buffalo Bill or slutty bill, slutty, slutty bill or something like that Curly um, bill so then he tells him you know like hey you know i, I just want to let you know it's over or whatever and they leave he tells uh ike to go kill him and finish it and when he he's like all right we go for wyatt or whatever and he says still water or whatever turn around and he just fucking shoots him that mm-hmm. was cool i was like holy crap that was that was cool and then he says the line, you tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me. I instantly was like, yes. Yeah. He's like, he's like you tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me here. Hell is coming with me. I yeah. and, and Kurt Russell, you know, got to how he talks like that. And, and he I like when he does that, when he has those kind of moments of of his like a John Wayne presence. Yeah. And, and he does it in the thing. I mean, he did it in Big Trouble in Little China, even though that movie sucked. And he did it in this movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he did it in uh, that movie where he drove the semi truck. Um, <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Breakdown? What's that one called? Breakdown. Breakdown? Yeah. I, I like that one too. We we might have to do that one at some point because I think that's, that one's really good. That could happen to anybody, man. I know that's what's terrifying about it. So, um, anyhow, uh, but that that really reinvigorated me and it got me into it. Um, but what like kind of how you were saying though, like how is this? His, I want to hear why you think that this is more of the reckoning instead of just his flat out revenge because I feel like it's just revenge. I think in the way that like Doc Holliday explains it, like he's like, make no mistake, it's not revenge that he's after. It's it's a reckoning. It's like. It's literally, you know, it is time for for me to play God because no one else is. Everyone's been coming to me since since I fucking pulled into town. <laughs> Every <laughs> asshole's been coming to me to take care of this problem, and and it's not it's not my problem. It's everyone's problem, and this ends now. Yeah, I think that's um, and that that kind of. Uh motif would is has been done in film before too where it's that reluctant hero um where you know they again their reputation precedes themselves or something like that and they're just look i just want a normal life i don't want to have to do this i mean the first thing that just popped in my mind was in gladiator right he's like 
this general, he just wants a normal life, but something pushes him to a point where he's like, I have to do this. And even after his family gets murdered in Gladiator, he becomes a slave. He's like, I'm not going to fight. He refuses to fight until he has to start fighting to for his survi- survival. He gets a taste back of that that victory, you know, and that that kind of high that he got from from killing. And uh, you're like, holy shit, Maximus is the best warrior in all of Rome. And it's the same way. You're like, Wyatt Earp is real. Like, what the hell? We just we, it, we just woke up the devil, basically. Yeah, and he's like he's like the John Wick of the wild, wild west. He kind of is. We get wild, wild. He goes wild. into that bar. He doesn't he doesn't use a pencil. He just uses his words <laughs> to defeat Billy Bob Thornton. A fucking pencil. <laughs> he's like, he's like, and goddamn it, Jim! How many times do I got to tell you to keep that goddamn cigar out of my face? <laughs> Nerve wracking sons of bitches! Christ Almighty! It's like I'm playing cards with my brother's kids or something. I love that shit so much. Billy Bob looked hefty in that, and it's funny because yeah. I, I, I heard his voice. I'm like, oh my god, that's Billy Bob Thornton, and I didn't even see him yet. He he, he didn't appear for a good like thirty seconds, yeah. but you just knew from his thing. Powers Booth, can I give him a round of applause? He's he was awesome. I like Powers yeah. Booth a lot. He's been in some really good roles, and I've never seen him as a hero. He's always a villain. Yeah, he comes from a theater background. Does he? Yeah, he's a thespian. Oh, he's a thespian. Oh, and Billy Zane, remember? <laughs> yeah, as soon as he hops off his little carriage, I'm like, put a cork in it, Zane. <laughs> it's a walk off. Uh, Michael Michael Rooker, you know he's, he's oh uh, yeah masters yeah dude there were so many awesome surprise surprises in this for actors Charlton Heston was in it too albeit yeah. his part was small that was that was really neat that it was it was there um but I'm glad you brought up Rooker actually so let's kind of talk about how the biggest issue for me was was the pacing and how I couldn't really get invested in this into certain characters so michael rooker's character uh macarthur is that his name or uh, sherman mcmasters yeah. there you go mcmasters um he was on screen and then a couple minutes later all of a sudden you see a body getting dragged by the banditos or by the cowboys and right they... so something got edited yeah like, he probably went with them to escort the acting company uh to like some sort of crossroad to where yeah. they would be safe and then he got intercepted along the way. That's the yeah. interpretation I got because he was loading them up in the wagon. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, the movie's already over two hours long, so it probably just got cut for time. Right. But he he doesn't like what he's doing. Anytime that they the cowboys do something that's just going too far, it's not just taking money. It's it's murdering people. Like even at the beginning during the wedding, um, you know, he's there and they they shoot the groom. They looks like they're about to rape the the bride. Mm-hmm. They uh, Johnny Ringo shoots the priest he's sitting at the table and he's just kind of look of disgust on his face the next time you see that look is when uh they go to attack the cowboys go to attack the wives of the herbs he's like i can't i can't do that shit this isn't this isn't what i signed up for yeah and that's when and that's when he says you know what i'm not gonna do it anymore so i mean he he has a track record of, of showing distaste for the work that they are doing. So I think it works as far as his character is concerned, because he is a very minor character. But I do like how he rides with them. Right. And and I agree. And I, I like that where he, you know, he turned basically to the to the good side or the semi good side. And right. he wants to um, eradicate that that violent behavior because those violent delights have violent ends. Um, and basically... So, but that's what it, it took me out from that. Um, 
what I think it's interesting, though, that you say that, that he as a cowboy even had his own morals and his standards. He's like, whoa, guys, like I didn't sign up for this shit. So he's almost kind of like Virgil in a certain sense, because Virgil started out where he didn't really want to get involved with anything. They just wanted to live a cozy life. But then he's like, you know what? Enough is enough. And I think that's kind of the same for McMaster. So it was kind of a bummer that he, that he died. I I thought that that was a slight waste. I wish they maybe would have killed off a different character. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if he's a real human being. Um, right. That, that Sherman McMaster's, I don't know if he, you know, walked this earth at some point and he actually rode with Wyatt Earp in any stretch of the imagination or if he was a major character for the sake of this movie. I, like you, am not a, a Wild West history buff. Well, all I know is um, Will Smith was in the Wild West at one point. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the Wild Wild West. That was the Wild Wild Wickedy Wild West. Um, but uh, I, so I, I like that they had a lot of characters. I just feel like some of them are underutilized, unfortunately. And I I really liked Powers Booth, but there were times when he didn't really get his his due, and he didn't really get a time to truly shine. Um, for he the most an part, interesting character too, because like. He is just a fun-loving, free spirit sort of sort of bad guy. Yeah, you know, like even when he's in the bar and he gets that five hundred dollars, he's like, you know, drinks are on me. You know, like he's just there to have a good time. He's yeah, he's terrible, um, but he's a different kind of bad guy. Yeah, he even pulls like Ike away and stuff, and you know, he's like, sorry, sheriff, or you know, he's he's not that malicious bad guy where he just wants to go kill everybody right away. I mean, yeah, he right. enjoys his killing and his pillaging yeah. and whatnot. He's, but, a, he's a rowdy sort, but he understands uh, when there's a, the right time and the wrong time to do things. Yeah. I, I, I think that, and that's a microcosm for how this time was, was back to what we were saying. There's nothing, there's no black and white for the law. Everything's gray. I mean, even the, the villains aren't traditional villains. Even the good guys aren't traditional good guys. I mean, the Earps were there for profit. Um, and then it kind of turns different. Um, but yeah, he, his, so I wanted a better standoff between him and Earp. I thought it would have been cool if it was a little more dramatic, but it was pretty awesome that he just kind of runs into the river and starts shooting it up like crazy and just shotguns him. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like, in. did you ever see Apocalypse Now? Yeah. So you know how Robert Duvall's character, the, I love the smell of napalm in the morning, that, oh, yeah. that character. Yeah. So he just has this attitude that he is not going to die in this war. And, uh, you know, no matter, no matter all the horror that's going on, he's just standing up like, yeah, you know, Charlie don't serve. <laughs> you know, he just has this, he has <laughs> yeah. this attitude like, you know, I'm better than this sick. I'm not, I'm not going to die on, on this hill. And, uh, and I feel that, uh, his character is a lot like that. Yeah. Just kind of going for it. I mean, well, and if you, if you think of it too, like Earp was, it was, it was cool because like what you said he is god essentially and this is the reckoning and he is going to inflict his freaking will and um show no mercy and like all the bullets happen to miss him um and then i thought i loved that little allegory that um i can't remember who came up to him but they asked where he is and then doc was like he's walking on water by the river yeah uh, so i thought that that was very cool because it's you know his his godlike persona this this Mr. Earp. Yeah, it was um, it was McMaster's. He's like, yeah, where is he? And he's like, he's down by the river, walking on water. Yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about Doc Holliday. Um, sure. Top three performances for Val Kilmer for me. Number one being Batman Forever, of course. So no, um, I thought this was probably his best performance. 
Um, I thought he was fantastic. I loved every minute of him. I loved his his relationship with Kate. Um, she was kind of his partner slash lover. Um, and he, he played it so well from the get-go of someone who is dying, but he kind of just doesn't care. Um, but man, when he was on, he was on. I loved everything about his... He had the same thing, too, his reputation, right? When, when him and Ringo had the little tiff um, at the Oriental, and they were talking about drawing... Uh, and then you finally come back to that. It circles back to that final scene where Ringo is trying to meet up with Erp at the oak tree. And then Doc comes out of the shadows, basically. And Ringo's like, hey, we were just goofing before. He knows Ringo. Ringo knows like, fuck, I'm not going to I'm not going to face this <laughs> yeah. gunslinger. Right. Because he is he is fast and he's going to get me. But then at a certain point, he's just like, eh, you know, whatever. I'm going to risk it. <laughs> yeah, he has to. That's um that's the only life that John and Ringo has ever known. He is he is the the epitome of what it means to be a deadly cowboy, you know, and that's that's his way of life. And uh, he can't back down. The egos that are in these rooms <laughs> are through the roof, man. It's yeah. so crazy. And I love that standoff that they have in the Oriental. I think that's great. You know, they're talking in Latin to each other. Yep. And um, Doc Holliday makes a mockery of of Johnny Ringo by just twirling his little goblet around. His little that was cup. so funny. That was so funny. It's like, dude, I am so better than you that I don't even have time for you right now. <laughs> and this is how ridiculous you look. And uh, I have tuberculosis. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm dying. I'm a zombie for like two hours of this movie. He just needed more money and more time. <laughs> yeah, and then more blood. He's, uh, he's a pale sort. Oh, man. Yeah, that was... That was that was sad, and I, I love their relationship. Um, the relationship between Doc and and Wyatt, I think it's fantastic. And and you know, he even when he puts him to the test, like, um, you know, do you consider yourself a married man? And he's like, yeah, you know. It's, he's like, what would you do if she walked in? He's like, who? And he's like, you know damn well who that dusky hued lady Satan. That's who. Uh, <laughs> I love that. You know, calling back to when they were performing and and just the, the even the presence on the stage how. Uh, seeing how they would do these plays and how he held like the bourbon up to the light to get that amber look, I thought that was really great. Yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that that was really fun. It instantly reminded me of Red Dead Redemption when I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and totally. Um, really cool time period, and it doesn't get explored enough, and 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 that's probably a good thing. Like I, I like how westerns are so few and far in between that I have a time to miss them and. And then maybe get wowed by the razzle dazzle that that can be the way of the cowboy. But um, I think this movie really hit that that way of life home. And you know, to that one guy's point, that was complaining about the movie, saying that they went through all this trouble of locations and designing sets and the, and grooming the the mustaches. I think his name was Jonathan Rosenbaum. Um, I think that it is those details that help sell the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very much a callback to these old westerns and I think that what's unique about this one is that it does have this sort of family friendly uh, Disney vibe at the beginning when they reunite when they when the families reunite at the train station and they're able to look in the glass and they're able to say hey look at this is our family look at how great this is nothing but good stuff is coming our way and and I love that sense of hope and and it just it, it was really cool and then all of a sudden bam, we get hit with how horrible these cowboys are and, and how rough and tough this life is. But guess what? You got the herbs in town, and this is what they do. 
And I, 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 I love that, seeing these characters that seem so wholesome just sort of transform back to who they were. We never knew them as who they were. We only saw them in that early moment, and it was cool to see them in their element. I really like that a lot. Yeah, I agree. And, and you were saying about the set production and stuff and how cool it was. I mean, I think it was awesome. It, it really kind of put me in the movie, and it made me feel like this town it was yeah i mean these are small towns but it was thriving it was booming you know it was the new york city of towns and it had a really seedy underbelly i mean there was a lot of crime there people did whatever they want and you know you have this happy erp family just trying to create a life for themselves i don't know why they went to tombstone for it but th- maybe that was the town that was the it yeah, town that a, you could get done town. yeah it's like a, it's, it's like a pop-up town. town yeah it's like the it's railroads really... coming through someday right <laughs> right right and that and that's just it right it's it's the next boom town it's something that transformed overnight and they were there to capitalize on the opportunity just like the cowboys were and um when you have that many people out to to seek their fortune it uh it's not gonna end up well yeah. And I think I, I, I think that I, I, I take a lot from this movie in the sense of the aesthetics, um, the acting, uh, the casting, all that kind of stuff just added up and it, it paid dividend to certain parts, just like that line I was saying. Um, but I, I still I think what it boiled down to me it just was the pacing issue. And I, I couldn't care enough for some of the characters. Um, it, I mean, what characters besides the Earps? And the cowboys are there that you care about or wanted to care about. So, well, so I cared about the herbs. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, to care more about the cowboys. I cared about them, but everything kind of seemed quick. Even like when Morgan died, I'm, it just it seemed kind of quick. I mean, I, you know, it was a cool scene when he's he has his hands all bloody and he goes outside and he's in the rain. Very much. Rain. Very much, a, and I thought it was pretty on the nose, but it's like, look, no matter where you go, White Earp, you're always going to have blood on your hands. And I thought that that was really cool. That's how I read that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but now, he, but now it's, his, it's his brother's blood on his hands. So right. now he, he feels guilty for this. Yeah, well, he still has blood on it. Yeah, like he can't escape that life. That's like that John Wick thing, right? And I keep coming back to that because I, I was thinking about that the whole time is he wanted to escape this life, but he can't. He's he's always going to be there because he is the top dog. He is the one that that people will always, no matter what, like people, as soon as they'd say it, they'd be like, oh, wide up, right? Like they want to test their manhood against him. And he's just like, no, fuck that. I'm trying to get some money and trying to get some punani from Dana Delaney, who is in Exit to Eden. Did you ever see Exit to Eden? No. When I was younger, I used to watch that movie Exit to Eden because it showed boobs and uh, Dana Delaney's boobs were in it. Uh, so as soon as this played Tombstone, I was like, hey, that's Lisa from Exit to Eden. <laughs> Shout out to all my Exit to Eden fans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just you should Google it. Um, just make sure to incognito mode your search. But um, anyways, it like I didn't I, I didn't find I didn't believe their love. Um, I mean, it was it was cool, but he's just kind of like he sees her get off the thing and his wife is right next to him. He's like, oh, yeah, I got a wife. <laughs> I, right. I wasn't so that's really... just it, right? Like, yeah. you know, why why it very much is is this guy. <laughs> he's not he's not he's not uh, on his high horse. He, he has his uh, his uh, what do you call it? Demons. Yeah. There you go. That's a good word for it. His demons. His faults. Um, I, I, I think that. I think the length was was an issue too, and you know that's funny you say that because I think that the other Wyatt movie with Kevin Costner, I think that one was was pretty long. That one was not nearly as good as this, though. And I mean that's saying a lot. But um, I, I think the length had a lot to do with it. But I really did like those moments of tension that built up 
I thought that that was really cool. But overall, I mean, yeah, the the Wyatt Earp movie with Kevin Costner. It's mm-hmm. called Wyatt Earp. It's yep. three hours and eleven minutes. It's actually fifty nine minutes longer. Holy buckets! That's a long came time. Out, came out uh, six months later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how I feel about this movie. Um, I I think it was it was fun to revisit it because I hadn't seen it in so long. Um, so I, I thought that there was iconic moments and again, you know, the, the moments that will stick out to me were that, okay, corral scene where the, the river scene, even to a certain point was really awesome. Um, when he says, you know, you tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me and only a Kurt Russell way. I couldn't imagine any other actor saying that, honestly, mm-hmm. I think that that just worked out so well. And it was so cool that, you know, doc and then Michael Rooker and all of his little, his gang members kind of come out of the shadows and they're like shit's on right now we're gonna go hunting for some cowboys right and the music's playing they're shooting bad guys off their horses my favorite part is when um wyatt and doc shake hands riding their horse I that's so cool yeah <laughs> it's that... so stupid but it's so cool at the same time so... like like mission accomplished we, we we got this i love that so that's and and but see i didn't really like that that much because so ike takes his his bandana and he throws it off right and then that signifies that Wyatt Earp won? I, yes. Well, because they're, they're not the ones that kill. Uh, they can't just have the movie where they kill Ike Clanton. He doesn't, he doesn't die by the hand of the Earps. He, yeah, that's true. He gets killed in a bank robbery or something. So yeah. um, and that doesn't work out. So in this case, it was Ike was the last one. And he is Dean renouncing his, his fellowship <laughs> with, with the Cowboys. So it is over. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and and I think that um, if I had not known you, if I had not known Mr. J.C. Cavender, J.C.C.C. Cavender, um, I probably wouldn't have liked this that much. But I, I, I've taken an appreciation to Kurt Russell. um, And I'm glad because he is a very good actor and I really like his roles that he plays. So um, I think I liked this more with you in mind. I was thinking I was thinking of you watching it. I appreciate that. On, on, on a rug with a bowl of popcorn. Oh, I have a Zach skin rug. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> did, you, did you get it from Marshall's? <laughs> was, it on, was it on clearance? <laughs> yeah, I, I have two. One with glasses and one without. It's ah, great. there you go. <laughs> um, a two-headed Zach rug. <laughs> that's all I really have to say on this, just in the interest of time, too. But that's all I really have to say about this. Um, do you have anything else? Um, I had seen this documentary and uh, on on tombstone on how on the making of it and everything and it was so funny when uh you know michael Bean he's like you know, i come step out of the hotel and there's powers booth and kurt russell and val kilmer i'm just like god damn there's a lot of good actors in this movie <laughs> and it's so funny how he felt that way you know like he was yeah. there and having a really good time and it and he even said that this is the best role that i've ever had and, really yeah um, more so than terminator and like aliens yeah, he's just like, wow. well, no, actually, he said his words was the, the best role I've had in a long time. Oh, so, I mean, in like a year. <laughs> well, Terminator was 80, what, four? And then yeah. uh, Aliens was probably, what, like 86, 80, maybe? Yeah. I thought it was like 87. Aliens. I don't know. I, look it up. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, you're probably about right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is cool that he, he feels that way. It's like, yeah, here's Sam Elliott, Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Powers Booth. And it's like, holy shit, dude, I'm going to. I'm in a pretty cool movie right now. <laughs> and I just love that. When the actors themselves can take a moment to just recognize how special this 
movie is, I think that just is another thing that helps elevate how, how cool it is. When they feel lucky to be a part of it, that's, you know, it's something special. Yeah, you can tell that they all cared about their roles. And I and I really appreciated that. So that's why, you know, I think in terms of back to um, those elements that make a good film, um, I think that the, the characters and the acting were, were very paramount in this. And um, to me, you know, that mixed with the sound and the visuals, that really added to why I think you could classify this as a good movie. Me personally, I don't know if I don't want to watch it again anytime soon, but um, I totally get what you mean by that. And I think that all the actors definitely gave it their all in it. And it was it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, good. it's a good, good movie. It's a good cowboy movie. Good cowboy movie. <laughs> all right, Justin, letter grade. Oh, for me, oh, this yeah. is an A, man, all the way, all the and way, May. Is an A man an A minus or an A normal? <laughs> uh, give it an A, solid A. Um, you know, I think I'm a B minus on this one. Oh. oh man, so for me, it's taking a genre that I could give two fucks about, mm-hmm. and it makes it cool. It turns it into like Police Academy two. It's like that kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> who's the Who's the cowboy who uh, makes all the sound effects? Then all the voices. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Michael Winslow of the bunch. Michael Winslow's. Yeah, they don't have one of those. Who's high Billy, Billy Zane. Billy Zane. He's Billy he's, Zane. The, he's the actor in the group. Yeah, right, man. Uh, he's just on the Titanic too much. Oh man, yeah. I, I just love this movie, dude. Bill Paxton. Yeah, he's a guy. You know, my favorite Bill Paxton role ever is in True Lies as the used car salesman. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so great. Like, that, that just shows how amazing he is. You know, like he, sure, Twister's fun. Aliens is a lot of fun. Weird science is great, but it's it's fucking that used car salesman. It just cracks me up every single time. Yeah, he um, is he is really good in that. When it when like when he's like he's like, so what do you think? And he's like, uh, he's like, give me the weekend to think about it. And like you see this look of disappointment on his face, and then all of a sudden he just smiles so wide, and he's like, hey, because it's you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> Holy shit. That's awesome. Oh, it's so good. And then like you said, Sam Elliott, he's just legendary. I, th- I really do think it's a lot of the 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 actors and the characters themselves that elevate this movie to another level for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you know, westerns are just there's maybe five that I could say I really enjoy and Tombstone is number 1 on that list. Cool. I like that. I don't really know if I'd have a, a favorite Western. Tombstone. Unforgiven's really good. I like yeah. Unforgiven. Good to bad. Yeah, all the all the the Stranger trilogy is like really good. Um, there's just a, a couple that just stand out, but I can watch Tombstone any day of the week. Couple couple episodes ago, you asked me what's that movie that you could watch anytime it's on. If Tombstone were ever on TV, I would finish it from where I, I came in at. In fact, I probably would just say, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to watch my own movie <laughs> and then watch it without commercials and pop it in and enjoy every second of it. Uh, well, I do want to say, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that it would be this movie is is a classic TNT movie. Like if it were if you were to be flipping through channels and it, it popped up on TNT, I could totally see you watching it. Um, and I think I have seen it on TNT. So. I, I mean, you know, if it was on, I'd probably pay attention to it, but I don't think I want to actively seek it out to watch it again. Um, but I totally understand what you're saying from it. So, but, uh, anyways, you know, thank you for listening to the don't be crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DB crazy pod at edgy Armo and at Zach Dale 60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show. 
Heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thanks for listening.